0: Like, hello and welcome to Mean Guy. What's wrong with that? Is it not the Mean Guys podcast? No, we never said that ever. But we are the Mean Guys, or is the podcast called Mean Guys? Well, yeah, we used to always say hello and welcome to Mean Guys. Okay, that's fine. It's just been so long, it's been two years, is not it? Um, yeah. an identity crisis. Right, okay. Hello and welcome to Mean Guys the podcast that traces two brothers' journey of self-discovery through the medium of traditionally feminine films. I'm Ben. I'm Max. And throughout this series, we'll be delving into some cheesy rom-coms and some trashy teen dramas that you've been telling us to watch. In this episode, we're talking about the 2008 TV series adaption, Sex and the City. So... The mean guys are back together at last. We're finally up <laughs> in like two years. Yeah, we've talked about doing more podcasts quite a bit in between then and told other people we're doing more podcasts, but it's the first time it's actually um, come to fruition. It's a bit different, though, this series. We thought we'd mentioned right at the start. First of all, the obvious difference, we're not in the same room. We are not indeed, yes. I'm in my new flat here in Leeds. You're up in Leeds and I'm down where we used to record it. Um, at our family home. I'm back in Bogner still, so you're opposite there. side of the country. Now I'm actually downstairs. No um, downstairs. Yeah. Obviously, you're not even in a normal place. this is so yeah, in the and in the podcast studio, Max. You know, oh, this wow. is serious stuff now. Yeah. I leave and suddenly yeah. we have got a studio. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I did. Um. So yeah, separate. Um. And we're sort of talking to each other over over a call, but we've both seen the first film in question, so we'll both still be talking about that. That's another point. Um, we haven't uh, pulled one of the DVDs out of the bag, the infamous bag that we used in the first series either. Um, we've kind of picked them ourselves. Yeah, we've done it slightly differently this year. Both of us um, posted on our kind of Instagram stories. Can you please give us some recommendations? And we both didn't get really many responses. But um, no, still. I think I think I beat you. I got two responses. You got one kind of a hollow victory from me there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but um, also, we just sort of asked around friends because one of the things we noticed with the last series is, uh, whenever we talked about the podcast with friends, often sort of these more obscure charity shop DVDs um, weren't films that people were that aware of. And people always have their kind of favourite um, ones that they always go back to. So we were constantly being told, sort of, oh, forget about those films. You need to watch this. You need to watch sort of my favourite. So we tried to kind of pick out some of them to watch and uh, been recommended. Tried our hardest. But some of them as well, as the case with um, this first film, Sex and City, is just one that we sort of see on lots of lists of rom-coms and chick flicks and just kind of thought it would be a kind of notorious one that yeah. we should probably watch. Yeah, it's very much like referenced everywhere in kind of um, all forms of media. I always hear kind of reference to Sex and the City. So I definitely wanted to watch it just to get kind of quotes and references and stuff like that yeah exactly lots to talk about everyone talks about carrie bradshaw don't they it's a yeah. cornerstone of pop culture but neither of us have seen it so um yeah yesterday we both settled down uh in separate parts of the country uh, to watch sex in the city now another bit of a change with this series uh, is that instead of uh reading from the back of a DVD and having to listen to uh, Max churn through a whole paragraph of her press description. Which everyone, of course, is their favourite part of the podcast, and you're making a big mistake cutting it out (laughs) then. I made the call, okay, I made the call that maybe it's um, not the most enthralling part, but to make up for that, we replaced it with an even more exciting (laughs) uh, feature, and that is what I like to call Poetry Corner. Poetry Corner, everyone. How did we arrive Um, on this again? (laughs) I'm not sure. I think it was a a, uh, Zoom call or a a Skype call which uh, lasted a bit too long uh, and we went a bit mad and ended up with the uh, conclusion that Poetry Corner was required. Yeah, so the idea of this is we're going to give a summary of the film that we have watched um, in the form of a different type of poem each week. Specifically a short poem. We don't want to bore you too much. So we're talking sort of free to... 10-line poems, you know, short, snappy poems like on this topic, trying to summarize, give, give the gist of um the film. Maybe you haven't watched it, maybe you haven't seen Sex and the City. So today it's Max's turn, in fact, it to is. divide uh Poetry Corner. And this is a surprise to me as well. Hopefully, Max will now bring to life Sex and the City uh, with his poem. Um, I'm imagining now, I mean, I, I always do the edits of these podcasts, so I think I'm gonna now, fade in some classical kind of library music, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, nice, so, uh, I have some nice library music for, in the background of my poem. I feel very kind of academic and literary. Okay. You should be able to hear it now. So, uh, Max, take it away. So the of poetry I have chose for this um, podcast is I'm going for one that we all know, a limerick. Um, so, here we go. There were four good friends from York New, one lawyer, one wife, and a Jew. The fourth named Carrie wanted to marry, therefore Big proposed with a shoe. Oh, bravo, bravo. Wow. End the podcast here. It's not going to get better than that. <laughs> oh. Did you enjoy? What if we've been doing a film review podcast? You should have just dedicated this all to poetry. Maybe. I was quite impressed oh. by myself, to be honest. I'm a math student. I'm not very yeah, good at Exactly. Yeah. about to say for a, two kind of STEM students, uh, uh, here like oh we're gonna we're gonna ace this poetry yeah easy <laughs> that's absolutely easy Is that a good okay. summary. i think so that's given you a summary of a bit of the characters i think right at the top that's mentioned so we've got carrie bradshaw the main character then we've got her three friends miranda samantha and charlotte and their various love interests mm. um that, that's what you need to know before you go into it. we're going to be talking a lot about those four characters So first of all, we'll kick things off by saying just, what did you think? Initial opinions, reactions? I was underwhelmed, certainly, and if not disappointed because of all of the hype that's kind of behind it, I have to say. How about you? I think probably overall I'm feeling the same. It's going to be interesting to talk about it. But there were some great rom-com tropes that we can definitely talk about, so there's, there's lots to dig into, even though maybe we both didn't love it. First of all, what do you think's my number one complaint? Before I even watched a single minute of the film um that it's a sequel to a tv series that we haven't watched that's certainly holds us back not ideal but i'm talking more about looking um at the time stamp at the bottom and seeing a grand total of of two hours and 30 minutes i forget about this you yeah yeah i've talked about this before haven't i but uh, I'll just reiterate it again. I think I, I'm not a fan of long films. Any film longer than like two hours has to justify itself. And there must be a good reason why it's longer than that. I even think it's even lower for films like these, these kind of rom-coms and so-called chick flicks. They're meant to be short and snappy. I can't be sitting around for two and a half hours. But I don't know, could, Was that a problem for you? It wasn't really a problem for me at all. I mean, I do see what you mean, especially with these types of films. They don't need to be as long. I don't mind, you always know that I don't mind a two and a half hour film, but these films could do with being a bit shorter, but I didn't really notice and I was up until two o'clock this morning watching it. Oh, wow. So yeah, time flew by for you, maybe. A bit of a struggle for me. Well, first of all, let's talk about maybe some of those rom-com tropes that we uh, love to point out. Let's, let's, Let's just play Find the Trope. I'll, I'll start off. Okay. So first of all, we had kind of a couple of instances of makeovers. It was a it was a movie, kind of focused around fashion and uh, looks and labels, and we had a fair few makeover moments. We had the kind of closet scene, where the four friends were each trying on different items of Carrie Bradshaw's uh, expansive closet, which was a very typical moment, often in kind of teen. Films, but obviously the difference here is that these are a load of forty-somethings uh, doing it. And then second to that, one I want to focus on more is that there was a moment—I don't know, maybe two-thirds of the way through, maybe maybe earlier—where Carrie Bradshaw, the main character, changes her hair. This is true. What, what did? She, what's your opinion on this? I think more should be made at this moment. This was done in a matter of seconds. She she liked to have this big hair makeover and people comment it, and that was it. But normally th- this would be a whole sequence. It would usually be. I don't know if the original kind of, you know, when they're all wearing, they're wearing her clothes and stuff. I didn't know if that was like a callback to like iconic outfits that she wore in a series or not, because they were looking back over like years of her house in her old house, she was packing all of her stuff up. And I didn't know if that was actually supposed to be a callback, but because we haven't seen the series, I'm not sure. And I feel that's why they put that kind of trope in because, uh, you know, just for nostalgic reasons as well. Yeah, no, it's a good point about the closet scene, though. I didn't really Cross my mind it's one of these things where we're watching a tv series adaption and uh we don't really know what's a reference and what's just uh something that's happened in the film but yeah it made me think um about sort of how that kind of makeover is used in other films like these i feel like often that kind of makeover moment is kind of a sure sign of the switch from the second act to the third act if you know what i mean like you can pinpoint the change in a film when one of these kind of characters has a dramatic makeover and suddenly they're a new person and they're going into the sort of third act of the film with some new sense of purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Whereas that wasn't really milked so much in Sex and the City. Definitely not. They could have done it, but I suppose that's why they, they maybe were trying to go stay away from that kind of all of these classic tropes in some ways because they've already got so many already in the film. They didn't want to be that just that another film of this genre. Yeah. I'm sure. Anything stand out for you in terms of um typical rom-com fodder? Um, I suppose there was lots of kind of wedding drama and like, you know, the whole kind of in the, the big, in the wedding dress, the fight. That was kind of classic, kind of, I don't know, it takes me to like Rachel in the first episode of Friends or very classic in the wedding dress, in the middle of a street having an argument is very, I don't know, I feel that's a classic trope. Yeah, and sort of slap round the face with the bouquet of flowers as well. Dramatic, a dramatic. iconic moment. But yeah, that was the last thing I thought of. And I mean, the rest was just all very similar. You're not going to get, you know, nothing outstanding, though, for these types of films. One other thing I quite enjoyed about some of the drama around the wedding and the surrounding time was um, a lot of it was done over the phone, right? There was all these kind of dramatic phone calls to and from, lack from Bradshaw. Lack of right? And lack of phone calls, but a lot of drama, either way, centering around the phone. And Carrie Bradshaw's phone in particular being this... Wonderfully 2000s sequined flip phone. They were all amazing. this moment, I remember there's one moment in the film where they show like like one of the really old iPhones and she was like, How the hell did you use that? Because it was touchscreen and stuff. And it just made me laugh because everything else was the clamshell. Exactly. That's what I wanted to pick up on because it's interesting. So this was released in 2008. The first iPhone was released in 2007. So the iPhone would have been this kind of weird, newfangled technology, I suppose, when this film was released so weird to think isn't it especially of people of our age exactly and it's always an interesting thing you know a lot of these films that we watch are very 2000s based that seems to be a a golden age of these um, kind of chick flicks, and so often the fashion and the phones are very distinctive indeed. I noticed there's yeah, more iconic like kind of moments of the phone like that, throwing it into the sea after getting that phone call, which was a bit kind of again over dramatic, but it reminded me of like a 2001 a space odyssey again, like the, the bone being thrown into the air. I don't know that small little clip. That's a very good point, I didn't pick up on that. But a reference to Space Odyssey is very interesting. I think you may have picked up on something maybe that is going on with this film. So we could maybe delve into a bit of a feature of our kind of um, fan theory of the week, or at least my fan theory. I don't think I picked up on this. So, well, you've picked up on one aspect of it, which I had not done, sure. which is maybe some kind of Space Odyssey phone tossing reference. I think I found another Space Odyssey reference, you know? Oh. So... You know this closet, which uh, Mister Big promises to make uh, Carrie in her new apartment. There's a moment where she opens the doors to it, and you're confronted with this Kubrick-esque image of a long white corridor, yeah, with so sort of immaculate, sort of screens, classic Kubrick symmetry, and I, I see it exactly. It's a Kubrick shot that you can't deny, it. and. And just the, yeah, the um, kind of staging, these kind of beautiful, pristine white panels and the fact that they're opening these doors to it. Instantly, I, I thought back to the kind of open the pod bay doors, how moment of kind of being plummeted down this space odyssey corridor. Sure, sure. And like kind of the well, one of the closing scenes to the movie is in this completely white, pristine room, which in 2001, you've got that kind of weird white room with a hospital bed in it. Absolutely. A kind of obvious parallel to Space Odyssey. <laughs> okay, me- we're maybe stretching this a bit here. We found two loose references. There's like, what what could that mean? Why are they trying to reference Space Odyssey? I mean, maybe they're just because it's the best film ever. Maybe they're just referencing it. Lots of films like to play homage to other films, but I don't know. I can't. I suppose that's all about evolution and things like that. And these characters are trying to find out what life, you know, and kind of that end scene of Space Odyssey is about, like, you know, ageing and stuff. This is terrible, isn't it? Um. No, I think, I think you're, you're putting a good effort into trying to compare the two, though. You know, the Space Odyssey definitely is about kind of evolution. It's about this journey. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. A lot of this deals with kind of age. Uh, I think a lot of the themes of this film are to do with the four characters being sort of fifties something or 40-something, they're they're ageing. The central plot is Carrie feeling maybe she's too old to get married and the difficulties of that and the weird situation they've been put into. So age is certainly something which maybe they want to conjure up feelings of with uh, references to Space Odyssey. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a stretch. It's got to be a stretch. I also find it funny that um, we, we talked at the start about us being two STEM students attempting poetry. We're also probably two people that are coming for these films from watching lots of sci-fi and uh, fantasy films. Yeah, this is very true. We're big kind of sci-fi nerds as it is. So we're probably looking at it through a very kind of uh, rose-tinted or sci-fi-tinted glasses, should I say. Yeah, which is interesting though, right? You know, we're bringing something different. This is our journey of self-discovery. And uh, maybe we're kind of looking at these romantic films through a lens of uh, what we know. So what else struck you from uh, watching Sex in the City just yesterday in the middle of the night? One thing was um, Charlotte's character. I definitely didn't think was developed enough in the movie um, because basically I felt like she was being defined by her fertility. Ooh, interesting. We're going in kind of deep and kind of uh, really kind of theory-led, don't we, today? so tell me more about that, would you? Well, right at the start, like the whole thing about about Charlotte, she doesn't really have any good moments by herself. And she's just this person who kind of sometimes goes on runs. And then the main thing about the whole movie is her getting pregnant and also her having the adopted child, which apparently is at the end of the TV series because she couldn't get pregnant. And it seemed all fertility based when she could have been a much, you know, we should be writing women as like these multidimensional characters with lots of things going on. And there was there was Charlotte with just, oh, you know, talking about her, you know, uterus. And I don't and I didn't think that was very good for especially such a film with, you know, that lots of women are going to go and watch. That's, that's an interesting, interesting point. Is it maybe the case that sort of she's the only one in the film that didn't have kind of relationship dramas? I've heard that was something that was uh, very stable for her. There was no sort of question of that. Yeah, but that they could have went into her more. She's one of the main four, you know? Sure. Have you got kind of a, a favourite out of the four? Like was there ones that kind of, yeah, you preferred. I mean, I'm a big fan. I mean, you can't not be a big fan of Samantha, can you? Because she's just this kind of... she knows what she wants and she's also at the start you think she's quite a stereotype but then throughout the film you see her character develop and she's much more than just this kind of sex craze stereotype at which like um they kind of hint at the start of the film she had the most kind of interesting and funny scenes i think so she's like living in la and kind of coming back to new york to join the the girls and that hat like everyone wants one of them hats don't they oh one well, of the big ones well, yeah you remember the big one in the scene where she was like looking at the guy and then it was like absolutely it was ridiculously big actually that those kind of scenes touched on a point that i haven't actually thought about for a film called sex in the city there was a fair amount of of sex in it which i i think i was surprised by oh well i was surprised in the opposite of i thought there'd be more sex when i first heard about the film i thought like oh this is quite a young and frivolous film and then when i first started watching it Kind of seeing it was a film about these kind of middle-aged women instead kind of confused me to start when I thought, oh, there's going to be like no sex at all. And then there was sex. And I was like, oh, I thought there were going to be more because it's going to be young and frivolous. And I didn't know what to expect. It Ah, I came out at a completely different angle. I knew it was about middle-aged people. or So I thought, well, I probably thought quite wrongly, oh, you know, it's not, it's not going to be much sex in it. Like uh, literally <laughs> yeah, sex in the city. Yeah, it's true. It's in the name. But it makes me think like... Because it's aimed at this kind of older age group. Was this the kind of 2000s version of Fifty Shades of Grey? Maybe. What, do you think this is a bit risque for the time? Maybe. Because, you know, films, I think, have got to be getting more risque. So, you know, this could have been the step up that Hollywood took before something like Fifty Shades of Grey. Maybe, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it was a very much big blockbuster film as well. So it wasn't, lots of the kind of more alternative films can get away with much more. Yeah that's true yeah Uh, so i got written down here oh i got written down interesting this sentence i don't know if you agree with this i've got just written down jennifer hudson deserves more jennifer hudson yeah am i drawing a blank jennifer hudson oh was that jennifer hudson yeah wait a minute i'm just googling jennifer hudson oh that was jennifer hudson <laughs> <laughs> this proves <laughs> to me point, i think uh, yeah i think you've I've, I've pretty well proved your point there also i've proved the point that i don't really know much about jennifer hudson oh. um but yeah so actually that's someone we haven't mentioned jennifer hudson is uh halfway through the film employed as carrie's assistant and she's a uh, I don't know, she's, she's, a, she's a good character, isn't she? She's a very sort of wholesome character. But, like, it's Jennifer Hudson. If she's not the main person in a in a film, then she deserves more. As I say, like, she's the star of Dreamgirls, and, like, we got to love Jennifer Hudson, and she was just kind of like this side character. Yeah, I don't know, I just thought, if you can have Jennifer Hudson in a film, just put her in every scene, you know? This must have been early in her career, though, or sort of when she was still doing a lot of music and maybe not much acting. Yeah, even if she could have been given more, she came out of this as a seemingly well-liked character, and I thought um, she was one of the mo- more likable characters in the film, right? Definitely, yeah. But well, it's not the most likable. Yeah. So there were a few things. I've got a bit of a list in front of me of some of the sort of worst points of the film, or just the bits that I kind of cringed at a bit and thought, like, oh, here we go. First of all, it takes a while to get going. I said it was long, but also there's a moment about an hour in where, like, they go to Mexico... And I thought, like, yes, here we go. It's, it's a Mexico film. They're going to go to Mexico. They're all going to meet like different guys out there, and it's going to be all the drama unfolding from that. But then, kind of, it faded away again, and they were back in New York. And it, it took a while to get going to even see what the point was. You know, the, the first wedding took up a whole load of the first half. I wasn't. I never had an issue with the speed of the film. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. I just thought it, it dragged a bit. Also, stuff on my stuff that annoyed me list. We talked about Charlotte and how she maybe you wanted to sort of more plot to her. One thing they did give her was a lot of um, kind of funny lines. She was she was quite a sort of comedy character. But one thing stood out to me. At one point, Carrie's really upset from the wedding and kind of isn't smiling at all. And um, she says uh, that only something really, really funny will make her laugh. Almost, I feel like but when you say that in a film, it almost comes with an implied kind of wink to camera, like, you know, something really, really funny is going to make her smile, uh, sure, sure. make her laugh at some point, like, let's get ready, this is going to be a good one. And the punchline of that joke, which eventually made her laugh, was Charlotte shitting her pants uh, after consuming some Mexican water. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, what's wrong with that? If, if my friend... If I saw my friend on holiday shit their pants, I would, be, I would be shitting myself with laughter. I agree with that, but it was how it was like built up in the film. Like You don't say something's really, really funny without, like, I don't know, it, it builds up the hype too see, much. Yeah, so I can imagine it being funny for them, but it wasn't actually that funny for myself. And you're saying it should have been funny for us because of the winky camera. Yeah, I think that's the problem there. Also, I kind of kept comparing the main characters, these kind of group of girl best friends to the characters of mamma mia which um pales in comparison i can uh, still now i didn't do that i didn't do that once in the whole film but like yes i mean it's it's, it's true so I, how about i won't explain myself you you tell me what you think i mean by that so who, who's who are we matching up with who i mean obviously carrie is donna absolutely um and I don't know, uh, this is my lack of Mamma Mia knowledge now, Ben. Um, so Samantha is the one who's played by the one who plays... Um, I had exactly the same thought. It's Christine Baranski. Yeah, Christine um, Baranski. But I don't know the character name. And then um, Miranda is the one who, yeah, the, the, the chef woman. Chef woman? Who's the chef woman? In In Mamma Mia. Well, the, the three main women is, is, a, is a chef. She writes cookbooks. Is this some obscure uh, aspect <laughs> of some character from *Mamma no, Someone is, writes uh, cook- and we see her. She's like a Greek person. She's like, can you can you sign my my cookbook of you, please? So this isn't the main character. A main, yes, main. What's her name? The Julie Waters or whatever. Oh, is she? Uh, is she a chef? She's a famous chef. She's like a TV chef. Not maybe not TV, but a cookbook chef. Okay. Well, no wait. Who did you compare to Julie Waters? Um Miranda. Miranda? Oh, I was going to say Charlotte. Oh. Um, I feel like Charlotte's more kind of like fun and uh, silly. Yeah, Charlotte's not very developed. And I, I think you've got a much more fun and silly vibe than I did. I just kind of got a, mm, this is just a character under the... But from Miranda, I got a very kind of uptight sort of vibe, right? That's what she portrays. Yeah, but if you look at a picture of her in like the classic television show, she looks very much like the, um, the young... Julie Waters portrayed in, in Mamma Mia 2. Oh, okay, well, I haven't seen any clips or photos from the TV show, but I'll have to take your word from it. So we've sort of compared a few of them there. But um, as soon as you start making those comparisons, I think you're you're bound for trouble, aren't you? Because uh, the two don't compare, in my opinion, uh, okay. very favourably in terms of Sex and the City. Interesting that they're released in the same year as well. These would have been near enough up against each other uh, in cinemas. Oh, wow. So talking about these characters, shall we try and do this new segment we've got? Sure. Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So this new segment, we were thinking, oh, what can we do? With, what are you we replacing? Well, we used to always do uh, who you ship in, the um, the sort of tiered test or the tear jerker test. And we used to sort of come up with... Oh, quote um, test. Yeah, that was, yeah. The a quote. Funny quote from the movie. Oh dear. Um, so yes, this time we are doing a BuzzFeed quiz to see which character we are. We're going to discuss which character we think we are. And then live on this podcast, we are going to do the quiz and see who we actually get and if we agree with it. Yeah, BuzzFeed personality quiz. Who doesn't like a BuzzFeed personality quiz? Come on. So um, yeah, basically, we're going to open one up and uh, see which character we are for all these films that we're going to watch. This is a great one to do it for, to start off, actually, isn't it? Because we've got four kind of very distinct main characters um indeed who like who did you think you were to start with who, who, did you, who do you think you're going to get on this okay with? so going into it i think i'm probably going to come out as miranda because i kind of like planning and can be kind of uptight about things maybe yeah that's what i think and i think you are going to be either carrie or samantha probably more carrie Interesting, yes. I think that you would definitely, I would definitely pin you as a Miranda, which is good, and also I would have given myself Carrie, I think, because obviously I'm the main character in life, so... Oh, great. Okay. Well, at least we're in agreement. So let's see if the quiz agrees with Although us. I was worried, actually. At one point, you know, there's the um, kind of uh, kind of the gay friends that are introduced in the film. Oh yeah, we haven't really talked about them. As, soon but... as like, was it um, Anthony or something? As soon as Anthony, the name was Anthony appeared, I was like, oh no, this is who I'm going to get in the stupid quiz. <laughs> well, this is just the four main characters. You're you're safe there. So let's get on with it. I'll read out some of the questions as we go, and uh, if there's any particular interesting questions well, The last question is also very quite interesting it's pick one of Carrie's love interests and three of them are from the television show so we have no idea who they are But this is great because we've got little preview photos and there's some wonderful names and photos coming up. We've got Mr Big um, who obviously was in the film, which presumably the name was explained in the TV series, but to us he's just called Big all the time. Well yeah, well that's the issue. At one point in the film they mentioned his name's John, right? Yes. John yeah. And that was really disappointing to me. I thought it was gonna be like a whole girl's wife scenario or something, you know, where you don't actually ever find out his first name. But mm. no, it's it was oh Mr. Big, I thought, oh what John. It just disappointed me. That is disappointing. So um but yeah, as uh, only watchers of the movie will never know the backstory to that. So okay, we've got to pick which one we think is our love interest. <laughs> Yep, this is another love interest one again. I'm going to go for Ned, I think, in this I'm occasion. For Ned because he's just standing there looking at a gravestone and I feel sorry for him. So much mystery there. Yeah, we're both going for Ned. Love to know more about him. We've got a classic, uh, what's your star sign, which clearly, you know, is a staple that. of BuzzFeed quizzes. So again, we might get the same person just because we're both Pisces. Back to some more uh, love interests. These are predictably Samantha's love interests. (laughs) Well, it's listed as guys with the funky spunk. Maybe we should watch the series. The series sounds more interesting than the movie at this moment. Okay, so I have been given, but you thought I would get Samantha or Carrie. Yep. It turns out I got Charlotte. Whoa! I am defined by my fertility. Yeah, there you go. That's that's you all over. Um, and uh, you thought I'd get Miranda? I thought I'd get Miranda. Guess what? I got Miranda. Hey, wowzer. So you got Miranda. Well done. So it says, um, I definitely have some carry like tendencies, but at the end of the day, I am truly a deep romantic. Oh, there you go. Well, we have got a podcast talking about romantic films. So, you know, goes to show you're a romantic at heart, despite also being Charlotte. What would it say for your one? Well, I'm, I'm a smart and powerful woman, and I don't care who knows it. This is very true. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought, my, my brother, he's a smart and powerful woman, he doesn't care who knows it. No, tell anyone you like, I don't care. <laughs> Splendid. So that's great, we now know who we are. A couple of little things to mention at the end then. This is a great one for doing our regular feature, Who You are shipping With, because you know, there's a good few couples in here. Out of the four main relationships, uh, well, and we have Jennifer Hudson's character. Any favourites out of them? or well, For who you ship him? Who you ship him? Uh, now, this is the thing where you do yours first because I'm just looking up the name of, of one of the, my ships. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I think mine's quite straightforward. I think my favourite coupling was the kind of ups and downs uh, of Miranda and her husband. Maybe I'm just thinking that because... As we have seen from the BuzzFeed quiz, I you know feel quite uh, in touch with Miranda. But, um, yeah, how at the end we got her getting back with uh, her husband who did cheat on her, but they managed to you know go through counselling or whatever and find themselves a loving relationship once again. I thought, you know, I could get behind that. From what I could tell, Steve is like one of the likeable ones in a TV series, so he's just done this big thing. But I think people still kind of like... If, if you've seen the TV series, you kind of, you're vouching for him. You're going, actually, he's just done one mistake, please. Whereas in the movie, I just thought, oh, he's a cheat. You know, I shouldn't, well, why would I want them to be together? It's true, yeah. But they worked hard throughout the whole movie to kind of redeem him. Uh, sure, so, sure. so, and he was, he had redemption at the end. Well, I can't find my person's name. So I'm just going to go, I'm going, I'm shipping Samantha and the and the naked dude. Yeah, that, that's that's a solid chip. I mean, the the chemistry there was was palpable. Sure, and like she was left by her current like husband or whatever. She was left covered in sushi, waiting by herself. And I don't think that that, that naked dude was is going to do this. Plus, he hangs on, you know. He really does. I mean, we <laughs> talked about the sex in this film earlier. There was there was plenty of sex uh, from both sexes, and also that's that's something. So we don't know what's going to happen next with them. So we can just imagine what we like. With, um, a quick thing. They could actually develop a relationship because they're both similar. But, you know, it's all, all up in the air. We don't know. It's nice. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a solid, solid ship there. And now we've got a tearjerker test. This is going to be an interesting one. Um, well, not for you. D- did you cry at all in the film? Uh, I did not know this failed the tear test. Uh, For me. Now, for a film, for the tearjacker test, does it count if you cry after the film because it's brought up emotions for you? (laughs) Uh, I think so. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, then it passes the tearjacker test then, for me. I think don't know if that says that much about the film or whether uh, it's like you just had to sit through it and finished it. What was it? Three o'clock in the morning, whatever. Yeah, it was two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but this was probably a big part of it. But like, you know that end scene where um, it's Samantha's 50th birthday party uh-huh. and they just make a comment like, you know, oh we're 50 years. And then she's like, oh, here's and they cheers to like the next 50 years. Yeah. And that just made me start thinking about like death and like kind of mortality and stuff. And I just and I just got quite upset. And I put myself to sleep, so I just I didn't start crying. <laughs> wow, this is a uh, depressing end to the podcast. No, I can I can get behind you on that. I think stuff like like uh, death and time passing and existential crises in films is more likely to make me cry than kind of a really soppy love story. Yeah, I just started thinking it was two o'clock in the morning. I, you know, I, it was one of them moments, you know. Wonderful. So it, it, it made you it made you cry. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll count that as a, a tick on the tear test. Yeah, sure. Sure, um, we'll go with that. One other thing I think I quite like to end on is my sort of cringiest moment of the film. Uh, we just talked about how we're not crying over kind of really soppy love stories. Um, what, how, do, how do I phrase this? Fat shaming. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to be your cringiest moment. Um, wow, well, okay. So, another point coming in there. <laughs> Let's go with that. You, are you wanting to talk about fat shaming? I thought you were. So, I mean, we can do either point. <laughs> um no my point was gonna be um actually i don't know how to phrase this so Um. with fat shaming (laughs) (laughs) uh, well you know the moment when samantha comes back and she's she's put on a like a very small amount of weight onto her belly or whatever like yes not big at all and they all just look at her and then the gay dude makes a comment and i just thought this is not appropriate in any way that made me cringe I did make it really... Mine was going to be the fact that the password was love. Oh, that was so nice. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you look all great now them. for bringing up fat shaming. And now you're going to make me feel bad for thinking it was cringy that the password was love. Who's going to seem good out coming out at the end of this podcast? Well, to be fair, I probably does. I probably need it because I was like um, in the Mali and Me podcast. I was very against dogs, so I need a redemption moment here, then. Okay, so so you're against dogs dying in favor of password being love. Yeah, and I'm against fat shaming. Against fat shaming as well. Um, I'm also against fat shaming. Oh yeah, uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm against dogs dying, and I'm firmly against the uh, the climax of the film being that the password is love. Well, wow, that's a perfect ending, isn't it? i think so on that note we'll wrap things up we're gonna try and make these podcasts uh sort of semi-regular maybe coming out every week we'll see but either way we've decided the next one we're gonna watch and uh that means that next week tune back in and we'll be talking about the 2004 modern fairy tale a cinderella story see ya